0: Uh, I'm really excited to be speaking this morning. For those of you just now joining us, my name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors here. And if you've got your Bible, grab that out and go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning. Thank you very much. That's where we're going to be this morning. I read out of the New Living Translation, so if you uh, need to click on that to follow along. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download the app U version. Uh, wherever you download your apps from, you can find it there. The app Bible Hub, I think, will be another one that'll be really helpful for you as you make time for one of our core practices, which is daily devotions. Our word for this year is inconvenient faith. And what we've been saying since Vision Day is convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. And over the course of this whole year, what we have been doing is we've been looking at our eight core practices, which we have started calling our eight inconvenient practices. Because the truth is, once you start to practice these practices, you realize they're inconvenient. You realize that it's not easy to follow after Jesus. It's not easy to do the things that he's called us to do. It's inconvenient. And we're in a series right now called Inconvenient Surrender where we are talking about our core practice, continual surrender. And something that Pastor Brad said last week is that there is a surrender crisis just in the world today. Anything that smells or looks or feels like authority, there's just this incredible amount of pushback because we don't want to live under authority. We don't want to submit to authority. We just kind of want to do our own thing. And the result of that has brought about chaos and division and hatred and abuse and as followers of Jesus, what we believe is that the only answer to that is Jesus. And the verse that we're using that has kind of just wrapped around this entire series is 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. We're gonna put that on the screen for us. And I'd like for us to say this together. 1 John 2, 16 says, "'For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, "'a craving for everything we see "'and pride in our achievements and possessions.'" These are not from the Father, but are from this world." That is the verse that we are using all throughout this series. And last week, Pastor Brad talked about King Solomon and his craving for pleasure. And he said this, "'Only Christ can satisfy the craving of my soul.'" What we're gonna be doing this morning is we're gonna be looking at King Saul and his craving for possessions. And we're going to read just a few scriptures out of 1 Samuel 15. We're going to start at verse 9, which says this. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs. Everything, in fact, listen to this, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Skip over to verse 12. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's commands. Samuel responds and says, Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle, I hear, Samuel demanded. Skip down to verse 18. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Verse 24, then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I've disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Verse 25, but now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Verse 31, so Samuel finally agreed and went back with him and Saul and worshiped the Lord. Today, we're gonna talk about surrendering the craving for possessions. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity we have to be here to open your word, to learn from your word. And as as we, we talk about this scripture, I pray that our hearts are open to receive from it, And I I only want to say what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, I've got a question for you. What appeals to you? What do you desire? What do you have your eye on? What do you hear about that somebody else has? What do you see? And then there's just this stirring in you that you're like, I got to have that. Here's another uh, Here's another thing. What are you putting on lists in Amazon? We we all do that. Come on. We all have things that we put on lists. And we, we struggle with, do I make this private? Do I make this public? Yeah, I'm going to put this public. And I'll just kind of share it with just a few friends. Not because I want them to get me something, but because... Just in case they wanted to, then they know the option of what I want to to actually want. And I don't want what they want to give me, but I want what I want. What do you crave? Maybe for you, it's a sweet car. Okay, maybe the new model is out, which you need to be honest to yourself, looks the same as the last five models, but this one says 2023. So you're just like, I've got to have this. Maybe it's not the car. Maybe for you, it's the big TV. With all of the streaming capabilities that we have today, I mean, honestly, it is overwhelming the options that we have. We even have the option of a brand new theatrical release in movie theaters to now stream that at home. And so for you, it's the big TV because you want to stream the new movie, you want to stream the new show, you want to stream the new game. Maybe that's what it is for you. Maybe it is just a new, sweet pair of Michael Jordan kicks, and you just want that new pair of kicks to show them around. You, got, you, you wear the tight jeans so that all that they see are the shoes, and you kind of do like this weird, you don't walk the way you normally would. You just do like this weird strut so that everybody looks at you. Lexi, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody looks at you, and they're like, what's with your walk? Oh, you're wearing Jordans. But maybe it's not shoes. Maybe it's headphones. They have so many different styles of AirPods. And then the the gunmetal gray comes out. Do they do anything different? No. It's just the color that's different. But you're like, I've got to have that. But maybe when all is said and done, all that you really care about is just having some really cool accessories for your fake eyelashes. Whatever it is. (laughs) Whatever it is. We've all got something. For me, and... As I stand here and and talk to you, I wanna be 100% transparent about this. For me, what I desire, what I hear about and I have to have, what I've got my eye on, what I have put on a list in Amazon, what I crave are paper towels. Now, as you hear that, you might be thinking, paper towels are paper towels. Like, what's the big difference? There's no difference from one to the other. And as kindly as I can say, you're wrong. Because there is a difference from towel to towel, I promise you this. When I was a kid and I was living in my parents' house, I used paper towels for everything. Now, of course I used them for wiping my mouth, drying my hands, cleaning up spills, you bet. But have you ever used them to dry off a wet dog? Have you ever used them to clean the tires and the rims on your car? If you're going to the pool, what do you amateurs take with you? a towel but not me what I would do is I would go in the kitchen and I when I would roll off some paper towels I'd rip it off and I was good to go and here's why I love paper towels so much because you use them and you wad them up and you throw them in the trash there's no towel to clean there's no towel to hang so that it dries I mean nobody's got time for that I loved paper towels and I just remember using them and using them and using them. And now looking back on this, I can probably safely say that I was a little obsessed. And I remember being in the kitchen one night, this is a vivid core memory. I remember being in the kitchen one night and I am helping prepare dinner and I'm using paper towels for lasagna noodles and my dad walks in and he's like, son, when you have your own house, Oh my gosh, I just got chills. Like I, I remember, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm serious. He does this thing, he, we call it the dad stance and he would just kind of stand like this. He's got his new balances on, you know. <laughs> Son, when you have your own house, you can buy as many paper towels as you want. You can use them for whatever you want. You can go crazy, he said. But enough is enough. No more in my house. Enough is enough. So fast forward, I've got my own house and you better believe I do just that. I buy paper towels and I use them for whatever I wanna use them for. And let me tell you, Brawny has just come out with what I believe is going to be the best paper towel to ever hit the market. I've got a picture of it because I want you to check this out. Look at this. Look at that. It is called the brawny terrace square. Now, ladies, I want you to focus on the paper towels, okay? Not the mountain man with the flannel and the well-defined chin. Look at what it says. It says new. If they're not new, it's paper towels. How long have these things been on the planet? A long time. But this says new. More choices for more tasks. Six rolls equals 12 because they're double the amount. There's 128 sheets per roll. I mean, these things are incredible. You can tear off a quarter portion. You can tear off a half portion. You can tear off a whole portion. And what does it say? More choices for more tasks. These things are the real deal. And for a special bonus, they throw in that well-defined chin with every single purchase. If you've ever wondered how to get that, just buy brawny. They'll make it happen. Let's just take that in. Yeah, that's great. Isn't it interesting that even with the marketing of paper towels that they understand are craving for more? More choices, for more tasks. Six rolls isn't enough. They've got to double it up so that there's more, 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 more. Like there just has to be more of it. And that right there is the craving for possessions. More sheets, more choices. I can't have just one, right? Because if one is good, what do we believe about two? It's always better. If one is good, two is always better. And here is the thing with craving more. It's never satisfied. Never. Craving for more is never satisfied. That's why they call it a craving, because once we think Once we think that a craving is met because we've gotten that thing, right? You've got the Jordans, you're doing the walk, but then all of a sudden, we're still left feeling empty. We're still left feeling unsatisfied, right? Because it always demands the next possession. It always demands the next thing. And the marketing executives, they know this, and they know that this to be true, that I accumulate what I crave. Maybe you need to write that down. Maybe that just hits you. Right, in the, right between the eyes. I accumulate what I crave. They know this. They know this. And so they market things in a way that we see it or we hear about it or somebody tells us about it, like, hey, you've gotta try this and you gotta, you know, I really should. I think that's what's missing from my life. They know that to be true. And for me, it, it honestly is paper towels. It honestly is. Like, that is my thing. I, I did not make that up. That is my thing. For you, it might not be paper towels, but it might be the big TV. It might be the car, it might be the sweet Jordans, it might be the, the headphones, or it might just be you wanna bedazzle your eyelashes. We all have our thing. And here's, here's some things that I think are important, to, are important to point out. The first thing is, and that, that is just really important for us to understand when it comes to possessions is that it's not wrong to want things. Okay, like we all have things that we want. I realize that. I have things that I want. You have things that you want. It's not wrong to want things. What we need to be careful of is the craving for what we want, right? We have things, but then we're craving for more. We're craving for the things that we do not possess because that craving for more, as I mentioned earlier, it always leaves us feeling empty. Not one time does it leave us feeling satisfied. We're gonna feel empty, we're gonna feel unsatisfied, and we're gonna constantly be looking for the next thing. So it's the craving for possessions. The second thing is, is that having nice things isn't bad. Like that, that that's okay. So I feel like the pressure is just kind of taken off, okay? It's 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 okay to have nice things. It's the constant craving for it that we've gotta be careful about. Because we can have nice things, and then we're craving something else, and then we're never satisfied. That it's, just a, it's just a downward spiral. It's a loop that we're just going to get ourselves caught in by, by never being satisfied. And we're going to be wanting more options here, more options there. And, and before, before we even know what happens, the options that Bronnie gives us isn't going to even be enough because there's that constant craving. And maybe some of the questions that you have just rolling around in your head are, so I can have nice things, but I can't have really nice things. Like how much is too much? What about two of something? So I need to get rid of my second pair of shoes and keep my one pair of shoes. Like how do I know when too much is too much or should I just get rid of everything? Back up, okay? Understand that there's a balance to this. There's a balance to what we have. There's a balance to what we need. All of that comes into play when talking about possessions. Okay, there's a balance that we need to figure out. I'm not saying get rid of everything. I'm just saying that we just need to understand the balance of what we have, what we possess, what we need, and what we crave. Like we have to understand the fine line between those things, right? Because if we don't figure out the balance to this, we will be controlled by the craving for possessions. Think about that for a second. If we don't figure out the balance to this, the way we live our life will be controlled and dictated by what it is that we possess or what it is that we crave to possess. That's what's going to control us. Ugh, like It just kind of makes me sick to my stomach. And that's why we need to surrender what we're talking about this morning, surrender the craving for possessions. Because if we don't, and here's something I want you to write down, if we don't surrender the craving for possessions, what I possess will possess me. What I possess will possess me. Which means that we will be controlled by the things that take up space in our lives and i honestly don't think that any of us would say that that's the kind of life that we want to live being controlled by the things that take up space in our lives so how do we how do we surrender the craving for possessions what can we do to make sure that we are not like just absolutely not it's not even an option we do not want to be controlled by the things that we possess how do we make sure that to be true of who we are let's look back at the scripture In 1 Samuel 18, verse 19, this is is what it says, verse 18. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? So here's what's really interesting about this. God gives Saul a mission to complete. He gives him a mission to do, a place to go, something to accomplish, and Saul decided to do something completely different. And as a parent, I understand that because I'll tell my kids, hey, do this. Can you go and do this? Can you go and do this? And then they'll give me this look like, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just not gonna do it. And, and I know this is the direction you told me to go. So I'm going to go this direction, but instead of going out to go to the garage, I'm going to go out the side door and go to the backyard and play with my brothers. But, but, but I hear you. As if that is like some kind of consolation prize. Like, I hear you. So this is where we find Saul. He hears what God asks him to do, but he goes and does something completely different. He decides to take the supplies the things of wealth, the livestock, and as we read earlier, anything else that appealed to them. So as they're walking amongst the things that the Amalekite people possess, he's like, hmm, this appeals to me, this appeals to me, I'm gonna take all of that. He does he, he does what he's not supposed to do. And Samuel, he comes and he calls Saul out on it. What does he say? He says, hey, Next time, you know, maybe think twice about this. He doesn't give him feedback of what to do next time. What does he say? He says, what you have done is evil in the Lord's sight. Woo, like there's some feedback. Not, not only is, is what he's done wrong, Samuel says that it has, has been evil in the Lord's sight. And here's what is just fascinating to me about Saul is that this guy had everything that he could want but it just wasn't enough. And the way that he was described, here's, here's what happens. Samuel gathers these different tribes together to announce that Saul is going to be anointed king. That's why he's gathering everybody together to say, this is who God is appointing to be king, and on behalf of God, this is what he says. So listen, listen to how Samuel describes who Saul is uh, earlier on. It says in 1 Samuel 9.2, his son Saul was the most handsome man in all Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. That's how Saul is being described. So if you think about it, he's a good looking dude. Like he's got the flannel shirt and the well-chiseled chin that we saw in the brawny man. Like this, this is who Saul is and who he is being described as to the people. And Samuel is there to speak on behalf of God to say that this is who is going to be king to the tribes that are gathered. And where is Saul? He's not there. It says in Scripture that he's hiding among the baggage. So he's being announced and anointed king, but he's like, "Mm, I'm going to be hiding over here. Samuel says that no one in all of Israel is like him. I mean, talk about an introduction. No one in all of Israel is like Saul. But Saul didn't believe in who he was. He didn't believe in who God had created him to be. So he goes looking for that in other things. He goes looking to fill that void with with possessions. The empty pursuit of filling that void with possessions. And maybe that thought is familiar to you of trying to fill that void with something. And maybe the thought that you have or have had is if I just... If I just get that thing, whatever that thing is for you, if I just get that thing, then then they'll think I'm something. Whatever that is for you, just think about that for a second. If I just get that thing, maybe it's the car. Maybe it's the car that the neighbor has, that the other neighbor has, and then you go to work and you find out that the co-worker has it. I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's what it is for you. It might not be a car, but that's the world I'm living in. My, uh, my wife and I, we have three boys that are growing, and eating, and growing some more, and just growing nonstop. And we have a van. Oh, how do I put this? It is not long for this world. And whether <laughs> whether I would like for it to or not, it's, it's going to just about drive off into the sunset. And uh, I mean, it's, it's been a good van, but it's just, you know, it's, it's getting to be that time. And I'm at the light the other day, and this Honda Odyssey, I don't know if you've seen the new ones, but it's funny as adults what you get excited about, you know, <laughs> you, you, you get excited about a Honda Odyssey, like, that's the life I have. But I'm at the light, and this Honda Odyssey pulls in front of me, and light shine down from heaven... And I heard this voice say, this is the van with whom I am well pleased. (laughs) And here's here's what's interesting about these vans. Honda is, is marketing them as this. Listen to this. The fun family minivan. So if you want to be a fun family, you got to have this. They're also marketing it as take family adventures in style. And guess what they call the inside of the van? They call it the all-purpose family room. We just call the inside of our van the inside of the van, but the, not, not in the Honda Odyssey. It is the all-purpose family room. Now, back to the, back to the light. So I'm, I'm at the light. This Honda Odyssey drives by, light shining down from heaven, God speaking audibly into the left side of my ear. And I see a family in there, a fun family, right? The fun family <laughs> that is going on an adventure to Lord knows where, but I'm sure it's gonna be incredible. And I just, I just watch them. And then all of a sudden, meh, you know, somebody's hawking behind me. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm immediately transported back to earth and I drive through the light and we're going, I, don't, I, don't even, I mean, maybe Noah can tell you, I don't even know where we were going, but we go, we go wherever we're going. And, and then I'm just slowly looking at, at our van, because these Honda Odysseys, they've got a sunroof, they've got a touch display, they've got an advanced, not just an entertainment system, they have an advanced entertainment system. All of the seats, people in the back, fold completely down and fold completely flat. Imagine how many paper towels you could shove into that thing. <laughs> And then here I am in our van. It's almost 20 years old. There's no touch display? Well, you can touch the display, but it does nothing. <laughs> no sunroof. The seats barely fold down. There's cracks in the seats. We have a TV in ours, but it's the size of an iPhone 4. You remember how small those things were? <laughs> like like what a joke. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. How how am I sitting in this van? Why, why do we own this van? This, this this is just embarrassing. And that, my friends, is what cravings do. They make us look at what we have and become instantly dissatisfied with it. We look at what we have and we just think, man, this just is not enough. What happens is the need becomes a craving, and then the craving just starts to take over. What we see Saul do in this story, he does because of not just the craving for possessions, but because he was influenced by the people. He was influenced by the people. Look at verse 24. It says this. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, yes, I have sinned, disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. This is one of the biggest struggles that we have when it comes to the craving for possessions is just the, the cultural cravings that we're kind of conditioned to have because we desperately seek the approval of the people. Because this, this and, and why I wanna hone in on this one, I realize there are other things and other reasons why we crave possessions. I realize that. But I wanna hone in on this one because this is where we find Saul in this story. And I think that we have a lot to learn from where we find Saul in this story because if we are all being honest right now, this is where we can find ourselves. Right? Just craving the approval of people. We can crave what what we desire and what we desire and what we crave isn't necessarily about that possession as much as it is about the the approval of the people. And in an instant, we can become completely dissatisfied with who we feel like God has created us to be and what it is that we actually possess. Just like I did with our van, which it's a good van. Like I'll just be honest, it is a really good van. It gets us from point A to point B. I mean, what more do you really need in a vehicle? And it, it, has, it has been our, our adventure mobile for more adventures than I can, I can even begin to count. Like, it has been really, really good. But the thing is, I was satisfied with it until I saw what I didn't have. And it wasn't just about seeing what I didn't have. That craving in me really just kind of took over. And I was just looking at that van, and I just thought, man somebody else would see us in that van and they would be like, that is a fun family. (laughs) That's the craving, right? It just, that desire that just kind of just takes over. And that's where we've got to be careful. Was it wrong for me to look at that Hana Odyssey? No. Was it wrong for me to crave it in the way that I did that I described to you? Oh yeah. Because then I'm looking at what I have and I'm dissatisfied. That's when the craving takes over. And here's what we've got to do when this happens, and I want you to write this down. Here's what we've got to do when craving turns into this just thing that just takes over I've got to recognize my hot spots. When the craving starts to take over, I've got to recognize my hot spots. What does that mean? That means that you need to recognize the places where you find yourself starting to crave. Maybe, like me, it, it's at the light for you and the cars that drive by and the cars that you see, but maybe it's not at the light. Maybe for you, it is going to the playground, and you're watching how the other kids behave. Come on, parents. Maybe it's when you go over to somebody else's house, and you walk in the entryway, and in the words of Steve Martin, you think, man, our house could fit in their entryway. Or maybe you walk in the kitchen, and you just see those really sexy granite countertops, and you're just like, man, those are really nice. I bet you could shine a light on that and make it glow. And at night coming down to get the milk and putting the glass on there, see-through glass so that the granite countertop could be seen in the bottom. Like, man, that would just look really, hang on, hang on. I'm sorry. And we're back. Whew. I got chills again. Sorry. That's just another craving. I'm just being transparent, people. I'm just being transparent. Maybe it's that couple that you see that is just so annoyingly cute and they're just holding hands all the time. And it's like, are those attached? Like, do you ever let go? Like, you just kind of always seem to be just, you know, they're, they're doing a different kind of walk, if, if, if you know what I mean. And, and here's what happens in those moments. Like, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When we have those moments, when we're presented with those things where the craving just starts to take over. If your mind starts going to, man, I really need that car oh, we don't have those granite countertops. I'm really dissatisfied with the house that we have or where we live or what it is that we have. Man, we just we don't have that kind of marriage. What is wrong with you? You know what? See those kids on the playground? Look how much they behave. We don't have those kind of kids. Let's get rid of ours and let's get some new ones and I think that would just be really better for the, woo, back up, right? That's when the craving is started to take over. We're searching for meaning and we're searching for value and we think that we are gonna find it in the next possession. That's the craving speaking nothing but lies to your soul because it's leading you down a road where all you're gonna do is accumulate and accumulate and accumulate because you think it's this, it's this, it's this. This is what I need. This is where I'm gonna find it. This is where I'm gonna be satisfied. And that is just an endless, endless pursuit because that craving is never satisfied. And we can do this We we can pursue this because we can think that something is missing in our lives. And again, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So when those moments come, here's what I want you to say to yourself, okay? I mean, you you might even need to say it out loud. It's not just a matter of writing it down. You're just gonna have to repeat this out loud to yourself when these cravings come. Here's what I want you to say to yourself. Don't let the craving for possessions possess me. Don't let the craving for possessions possess me. Think about that for a second. Being possessed, being controlled by this pursuit for possessions. Don't let the craving for possessions possess me. Look at verse 31. It says this. So Samuel finally agreed and went back with him and Saul worshiped the Lord. Here's what's happening here. Saul was, excuse me, asking Samuel to come back with him. Back and forth, back and forth, they were having this conversation, and finally Samuel decides, all right, I'll go back with you. And then goes back and he repents, Saul repents, which means to turn away from sin, and he worships the Lord. Saul recognized that he was buried deep, that he was overwhelmed with the craving for possessions and his heart was compelled to repent and to return with Samuel to worship God. That's, that's where we see him here. And I think this is a cautionary tale because we are just as vulnerable as Saul was. Right, This isn't a new concept for, for Saul then, it's not a new concept for us now, we're just as vulnerable as Saul was. And what we can do with these dangers of of, of our cravings is we can find ourselves overwhelmed. And what happens when that is the case is that those cravings that we have, they become our object of worship. So it's no longer that we're focused on God and what it is that God wants us to do in our life. That craving for possession becomes our object of worship. I want you to write this down. Whatever I worship, I will become. Whatever I worship, I will become. That's what the craving does to us. It just kind of makes us go nuts. And it's no longer just craving that thing, but craving that turns into the worship of that thing. And the danger of that now is that that kind of a craving is never satisfied. I mean, that is gonna be a constantly endless pursuit of always feeling empty, of always feeling dissatisfied, of always taking a trip down that road and recognizing at the end of it, man, why do I still feel so empty? So you're gonna keep, on, you're gonna keep paving road for you to keep walking down that unless we recognize that what I worship, I will become. So then we've got to reevaluate. What, it, what is it that I am worshiping? Is it that thing? Is it the approval of people? Is it just accumulating what I crave and, and I'm just kind of, a, I'm just kind of a, a victim to the marketing campaigns? We've got to recognize that. The craving turns into the worship of that thing and that's the danger when it's never satisfied. The writer of Hebrews chapter 12 says this, and this is verse one through two. You can write this down and and read this later, but Hebrews 12, one through two says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. What the writer of Hebrews is reminding us, he's reminding us to turn our eyes, reminding us to turn our eyes away from the possessions that we crave and to make Christ our craving. Turn your eyes from the possession that you crave and he's reminding us to make Christ our craving. Because when Christ is your object of worship, when Christ and more of his spirit and more of his presence is what you crave, when he is first and foremost in your life, what happens? Everything else is satisfied. Everything else, every craving, every desire. You're gonna be looking at things and just think, eh, I'm content, I'm fulfilled, I'm satisfied everything else is satisfied and when it comes to being overwhelmed like Saul with the approval of people and that's just it's just not an issue anymore the approval of people just no longer matters so what what is the possession that you're craving right now and think about that for a second what is the possession that you're craving right now and and why why are you craving that thing Why are you craving that thing? And as strongly as I can encourage you, please surrender. Please surrender the craving for possessions. For the sake of your soul and the soul of those that you do life with, surrender the craving for possessions. Surrender that to Christ. Bring that to the table this morning. Make that be what it the work that you need to do with God this morning. It's to really consider what it is that you are just for some reason feeling like you've got to just grab a hold of. And surrender that. Just let that go and recognize that the satisfaction that you that you desire, the confidence that you're seeking after, isn't found in, in what we possess or what we desire to possess. It's only found in who Jesus is. Don't let the craving of possessions possess me.